when writing poems in the past, I have sometimes found that some of my poems that I've written a long time ago have seemed to have meanings to me now that are greater than the meanings that they even had when I first wrote them. I'm sure that all poets have had this happen to them. I, I know one example is Robert Frost when he wrote The Mending Wall. I'm sure that he didn't have in his mind the idea that there would ever be someday something called the Berlin Wall that would be built between East and West Berlin. But he wrote this poem and later, years later in his life, he wrote, he read The Mending Wall at the Berlin Wall. Very interesting. Just recently, certain events in America have made me think of some of the poems that I've written in the past. And one of the poems that I wrote came back to me, and it goes like this. Though hell may rage and fear abound here in the world of men, I shall not fear the darksome path, the heat, the noise, the shock. I shall stand forth unafraid, for I am founded on the rock. A mighty fortress is my God. He helps in times of need. He lifts my soul from dark despair. He sets my spirit free. Though time may be my nemesis, upon eternity I have a lock. Such is the grand appointment of the foundlings of the rock. I always have loved the branch of chemistry called, or called thermodynamics, which is a branch of physical chemistry. Uh, it has been one of those sciences that have always fascinated me. And thermodynamics is a study of movement of energy and it becoming more or less useful depending on how it is used. Uh, it's used a lot by engineers in their equations to help them to run machines and to see if they're going to be effective, if their heat transfer is going to be okay. Uh, the second law of thermodynamics states all physical or chemical changes tend to proceed in such a direction that useful energy undergoes irreversible degradation into a randomized form called entropy. They come to a stop at an equilibrium point at which the entropy formed is the maximum possible under the existing conditions. In other words, all things left to themselves without an input of energy of any kind 
will tend to go to a maximum of disorder or randomness. Now, anyone who has ever taught little kids in a Sunday school class have seen entropy at work to perfection. You sit them down, and they're listening while the teacher's there. But as soon as the teacher walks out of the room and comes back into the classroom, maybe 10 minutes later, there is utter havoc being wrought. And this is because the second law of thermodynamics is at work. There's a maximum of disorder and randomness occurring because there's no one to input order into the classroom. The reason that I'm talking about these things is that the George Floyd uh, I'm not going to call them riots because they aren't, but the George, George Floyd demonstrations that have occurred throughout Los Angeles have mostly, for the most part, been relatively peaceful or have started out that way. But as they have gone their way towards the and middle or end of these demonstrations, something has happened. I think that we have seen the second law of thermodynamics start kicking in. And we have seen this orderly, peaceful protest start changing over to a bunch of thugs becoming destructive and destroying and looting anything they could get their hands on. It's interesting the way things like this work. The reason I'm talking a little bit about entropy is because entropy in our regular lives is what causes us to eventually run down and die as biological systems. It's what causes death. We grow old. We start out with young, healthy bodies. And as they grow old, entropy takes over to a greater point. And we eventually become worn down and broken down through time until eventually death overtakes us. If there was nothing that we in the universe that could help us to overcome entropy, we would never be able to have a resurrection. We would never be able to overcome 
our sins and weaknesses through the help of our Savior. But we would be in truly a horrible position One of my favorite quotations concerning the atonement is actually by Hugh Nibley. And he was thinking of entropy and of the atonement. And here are the words that he said, which I thought were really magnificent. In its sweep and scope, atonement takes on the aspects of one of the great constants in nature, omnipresent, unalterable, such as gravity or the speed of light. Like them, it is always there, easily ignored, hard to explain, and hard to believe in without an explanation. Also, we are constantly exposed to its effects, whether we are aware of them or not. Alma found that it engages the mind like a physical force, focusing thought with the intensity of a laser beam. Like gravity, though we are rarely aware of it, it is at work every moment of our lives, and to ignore it can be fatal. It is waiting at our disposal to draw us on. When the multitude were overwhelmed to King Benjamin, but to King Benjamin's speech, and they had viewed themselves in their own carnal state, even less than the dust of the earth, they all cried aloud with one voice, saying, "Oh, have mercy, and apply the atoning blood of Christ, that we may receive forgiveness of our sins, for we believe in Jesus Christ." the Son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things, who shall come down among the children of men. The blessing is there waiting all the time, needing only to be applied when the people are ready for it. Reversing the laws of entropy requires knowledge that we do not possess. It is out of our league. But many scientists have reminded us Whatever put us here is capable of doing the impossible. I know that the atonement of Christ can save and deliver us and protect us if we follow him and if we are founded upon his rock we can be rescued and go through whatever we need to go through. And that this time in America will be a time of growth and strength for all of us.